Good evening. Six dead, many injured in a shooting at a 4th of July parade in suburban Chicago. Anger as body cameras show a black man killed in Akron, Ohio, was shot by police as many as 90 times. He was unarmed. And an icon of the 60s has died. We hear an exclusive interview with the notorious biker, Sonny Barger. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Drienzo with the WBAI News for Monday, July 4th, 2022. And top of the news, Israeli troops likely fired the bullet that killed an Al Jazeera journalist during a raid on a West Bank refugee camp in May. That's according to the State Department. But they added there was no reason to believe her killing was intentional. The extremely detailed forensics analysis, that's your word, that's their words or the words of State Department spokesperson Ned Price, could not determine, however, who fired the headshot that killed reporter Shireen Abu Akla. Price said in a statement, ballistic experts determined the bullet was badly damaged, which prevented a clear conclusion as to who fired the shot. Investigators were reportedly granted full access to evidence from Israeli Defense Forces and the Palestinian Authority. They determined gunfire from Israel Defense Forces position was likely responsible for Abu Akla's death, but again found no reason to believe this was intentional. The veteran correspondent and U.S. and Palestinian citizen was well-known throughout the Arab world, considered a truth-teller. She was shot and killed while covering an Israeli military raid on May 11th in the Janine refugee camp in the occupied West Bank. Palestinian eyewitnesses, including her crew, say Israeli troops killed her and there was no militants in the immediate vicinity. She died wearing a bulletproof vest with press written on it. Abu Akla's family said they would seek to hold the Israeli military and government accountable for her death. And here in the United States, a gunman opened fire on an Independence Day parade in suburban Chicago today, killing at least six people, wounding 24 and sending hundreds of marchers, parents with strollers and children on bicycles fleeing in terror. The suspect, who had apparently fired from a concealed spot on a rooftop, remained on the loose hours later as authorities scoured the area. Highland Park Police Commander Chris O'Neill, who was the incident commander on the scene, urged people to shelter in place as authorities searched for the suspect. We're all grieving for the families and friends who lost loved ones today, those injured and everyone impacted by this horrific, senseless, random act of violence. I served as the incident commander on scene. Uh, I was present at approximately 10.14 when this started. There was an active shooter incident that occurred in downtown Highland Park during our 4th of July holiday parade this morning. This was an active incident and all individuals are still urged to shelter in place at this time. Highland Park Police and numerous federal, state and local law enforcement agencies are searching for the suspect. The suspect is currently described as a male white, approximately 18 to 20 years old, with longer black hair, a small build, and wearing a white or blue t-shirt. A firearm has been recovered from the scene. 
We have secured the perimeter around downtown, downtown Highland Park and are continuing our searches. At this time, two dozen people have been transported to Highland Park Hospital. Six are confirmed deceased. It's going to be a, an individual of a description, but he's wearing a large yellow backpack, like an Army-style backpack. And they are currently at Central Train and checking the basement at Sunset Foods. That's all I have at this point. It's going to be a, an individual of a... And that's apparently a recording from a police scanner documenting the search who the suspect as of uh, as of the news at this moment has not been apprehended. Mayor Nancy Rotering said the violence has shaken us to our core, adding on a day that we came together to celebrate community and freedom. We are instead mourning the tragic loss of life and struggling with the terror that was brought upon us. Police say the gunman apparently used a high-powered rifle to fire from a spot atop a building where he was very difficult to see. And Jalen Walker, a 25-year-old black man, was unarmed when Akron, Ohio police chased him on foot and killed him in a hail of gunfire. Protesters met the news with chanting and marching through the city streets. Police say the shooting was prompted by a minor traffic stop, but it failed to explain why Walker's body suffered at least 60 bullet wounds. The following audio is disturbing. unbelievable and if you see the video it's pretty hard to to believe what you see with your own eyes as um, several police i think they say six i'm not sure how many were firing but it looked like many of them were in the video you can see them just firing away in the direction of a fleeing man
The footage released by police ends with the officer's gunfire and doesn't show what happened next. Officers provided aid, and one can be heard saying Walker still had a pulse, but he was later pronounced dead. A handgun, a loaded magazine, and an apparent wedding ring were found on the seat of the car, but not in Walker's possession when he was killed. Police have said they thought he was reaching for his waistband. Later, a spent cartridge was found that cops say was consistent with that gun, but a lawyer for Jaden's family says police are out to demonize his client. I'm sad that we began the presentation in precisely the way that the law would not allow. I want you to know that when I go to court for this family, the judge will look at me and he will say, you are not allowed, counsel, to look at a shooting like an armchair quarterback. You're not allowed to look back on the shooting from the end of the story and give snapshots in time. I'm not allowed to do that in court. I'm disappointed I saw that today. They want to turn him into a masked monster with a gun, and we knew that. But I want to thank the chief for one thing he said. At the time he was shot, more than 90 or 60 or whatever the unbelievable number will be, he was unarmed. A couple days ago, a guy with my skin color held off police, killed a couple, and is in jail today. In a standoff with a long firearm called a rifle. And a black man today is going to be buried this week or next week when he leaves the morgue. And his name is Jalen. Jalen was unarmed. Black guy in Kentucky? Nope. Black guy in Akron? Yep. And is that something that's very difficult for me to admit? Yes, it is difficult for me to admit. Because I didn't come here to inflame what I fear will be inflamed. I came here to say what our message is, and that is peace as a family spokesperson then pleaded with outraged citizens to remain calm. I'm heartbroken. And what we all just saw in that room is heartbreaking. Jalen Walker was a 25-year-old young man full of promise and gone far too soon. Jalen Walker loved his family and he loved Akron, Ohio. And so today, I know that we all have heavy hearts. As my partners have said, it's not troubling, it's beyond that. There are no words to describe what we just saw. But we are begging you. That family is begging you. Jalen is begging you to stay peaceful. We will get nowhere with violence and destruction, but we will with measured and calm dialogue. And so today we are calling for peace 
We are asking for you to give Jalen the dignity that he deserves by honoring his legacy and his community through peace. And we are demanding justice. Jalen's fiance had died recently and family members said he had been distraught since that incident. At a news conference, Chief Milet described the police account of what occurred. So the initial attempt to uh, stop Mr. Walker, um, as you heard on the audio, was for an equipment violation and for a traffic violation. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the equipment violation was or what the traffic violation was. We will find that out, or BCI will discover that during their investigation. What was going to be a routine traffic stop, which would probably result either in a warning or a citation being issued, turned into a pursuit. As Mr. Walker turned onto um, the entrance ramp to Route 8, and the shot is fired, that changes the nature of the contact. 40 seconds after the initiation of the traffic stop, a half a mile from the location of the traffic stop, you hear the gunshot and then everything else that I've just discovered. And again, that changes the whole nature of the traffic stop. It went from being a routine traffic stop to now a public safety issue. And then the pursuit continued. But in a twist, uh, pardon me, but in a testy Q&A with reporters, the chief claimed cops involved are cooperating, although they've yet to be questioned. The officers have not uh, been able to provide a statement yet. I am reserving any sort of judgment um, until we hear from them. Just last night, I spoke with the union president and he told me that the officers are fully cooperating with the investigation based on your viewing of the video that you had not seen evidence that Jalen Walker did anything threatening that precipitated the, the gunfire. Your response to that? So when I, and I've watched this video more times than I, I care to, um, but I've watched it, it at least 40 times. When you see it in real time, it's very hard to distinguish what Mr. Walker is doing. Um, in the still photos, there's a picture that appears to, uh, to all of us that Mr. Walker is going down to his waist area. Um, there is a photograph that appears uh, Mr. Walker was turning towards the officer and there is a picture that captures a forward motion of his arm. At the crime scene, each, after the officers were involved in the shooting, they immediately get sequestered from one another and they are monitored. When the investigative team arrives, they do an individual walkthrough of the crime scene. Each officer, independent of each other, related that they felt that Mr. Walker had turned and was motioning and moving into a firing position. So, again, BCI is going to do the investigation. I'm not prejudging it. Um, and I'll leave it there. Was the gun found with the magazine removed? Yes, the way in which that picture 
uh, depicted where the gun was located and the way and the manner in which it was placed. Officers are approaching the car on their body-worn camera and it's capturing it in, in, as they are approaching. After the shot was fired, I'm sorry, after the shooting occurred, our, we went back to the scene where we believe the shot was fired. A casing was discovered at that location, consistent with the firearm that Mr. Walker had in his vehicle. BCI will determine whether or not that casing came from the gun or not. And again, independent of anything we did, the ODOT camera captures what we believe to be a muzzle flash coming out of the car. Again, BCI will be determining whether or not that, in fact, is the case. But outside the Justice Center, Jalen Walker's lawyer had this response. From what we've read, 90 shots. We don't treat animals that way. And time and time again, what we see across this country are white people who are able to commit crimes, to slaughter people, and who live to tell the tale. Jalen Walker won't be able to do that and wasn't able to do that. We are calling for accountability. Eight officers, from what we've read, 90 shots. We don't treat animals that way. And time and time again, what we see across this country are white people who are able to commit crimes, to slaughter people, and who live to tell the tale. State Attorney General Dave Yost vowed a complete, fair, and expert investigation by the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation and cautioned that body-worn camera footage is just one view of the whole picture. Meanwhile, late last night, police in full riot gear fired a dozen tear gas canisters to disperse a handful of protesters outside the Justice Center. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Sonny Barger, a founding member of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club, who provided security at a notorious and fatal Rolling Stones show in 1969, has died. Barger penned his own death statement that was posted on Facebook, saying he passed peacefully after a brief battle with cancer, adding, I've lived a long and good life filled with adventure, and I've had the privilege to be part of an amazing club. Although I've had a public persona for decades, I've mostly enjoyed special time with my club brothers, my family, and close friends. Barger founded the Oakland, California branch of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club in 1957. Barger and the Hells Angels provided security at the Stones' notorious show in December 1969 at the Altamont Speedway Free Festival, which was attended by 300,000 people. During the show, a Hells Angels member stabbed a black man named Meredith Hunter to death, reportedly for trying to enter the stage. In his autobiography, Hell's Angel, The Life and Times of Sonny Barger and the Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club, Barger blamed the Rolling Stones themselves for the violence, saying that they delayed their set time on purpose to rile up the crowd. 
He claimed in the book that he held a gun to Keith Richards to insist the Stones begin their performance. Barger also spent time with Hunter S. Thompson for the latter's book, Hell's Angels, A Strange and Terrible Saga. He told this reporter he thought Thompson was a great writer, but a coward who hid in the trunk of a car during a police raid and neglected to provide a keg of beer he promised the club. In an interview with this reporter in 2005, Barger said the Hell's Angels were a club of friends separate from his job as a top-flight motorcycle mechanic. I'm as much part of the club as I ever have been. Uh I'm not an officer in it, and I don't speak for the club. However, you know, years ago, I was a warehouseman. After I was a warehouseman, you know, I was a mechanic. And after I was a mechanic, I become an author. But what I do for a living, what's that got to do with anything? Uh, Well, it's about motorcycles, right? I still ride motorcycles. Barger was not one to complain, but this reporter felt he was wistful for bygone days when the Angels were the only show in town. He says today people own motorcycles. In his day, they rode them. Five years ago, we bought motorcycles to ride them. Today, people buy motorcycles to own them. You know, and yeah. we've got all these, you know, like what you call, uh, is it the white collar profession? You know, doctors, lawyers, people like that riding motorcycles. Yeah. And, but what they do, you know, and then we've got people that spend seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars for these, you know, tricked out choppers, as they call them. Yeah. And, you know, those things aren't rideable. You know, they ride them to the bar on Friday night and they put them in the back of their truck and take them to events. And, but, but they own motorcycles to own them. They own motorcycles to ride them. And that, that, that's the difference between, I guess, I don't know if this is the right choice of words, but between hardcore motorcycle riders and people that own motorcycles. Some people ride them, some people trailer them. At times, some angels have been accused of being bullies, but Barger, who spent nearly 10 years in prison collectively on drug charges, says it's the cops who were the real bullies. You know, I don't care what anybody says. You have to be semi-aggressive, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like being out there and being a bully and just jumping on everybody because you want to do it or because you're able to do it. But you can't lay down when people, you, you know, come on to you. You have to stand up for your rights, too. What's the difference between a legitimately standing up for your rights and a bully? How do you know the difference? Well, sometimes it's sort of hard to figure out because, you know, we end up in, in our organization getting a bully every now and again, too. But standing up for your rights is when somebody is trying to take away from you what's yours or trying to hurt what's yours and you stand up and defend yourself against it and being a bully is the guy that's doing that. The rasp in Barger's voice is a product of years of cigarette smoking. His voice box was removed surgically and he spoke through an opening in his throat. He termed himself a survivor who was arrested, knifed, shot, beat and got cancer and beat them all. I smoked for, you know, 35, 40 years, and it was legal, and I had no idea I was addicted. I thought I just liked it. I seriously did not know I was addicted. And, you know, I think that we have like 400,000, 450,000 people a year die 
from smoke-related problems. Now, tell me, what percentage of people die of drug deaths? Uh, uh, I don't know, but I'm sure. Nowhere near that. Uh, no, no. And that's illegal, and probably the same thing with alcohol, and that's legal. Right. So, so why are drugs illegal? Only because they can make them that way. But in the end, Barger says motorcycles were the best thing to happen to him, and he wouldn't have given his life to change that for the world. I've been doing it for so long, I think it's the best thing. And, you know, that's the one thing that people don't really understand. You know, I've been in the club for 48 years. I've been riding motorcycles for 50 years, and I'm having But if I ever found something I thought I would like better, I would certainly be doing it. That's interesting. What uh, have you taken any rides recently? Any any lengthy rides? Yeah, I go all over the place. I'm leaving. Uh, well, Saturday I'm going to Reno, but I'm going on a plane to get married, and then oh, the following Friday I'm taking off for Hollister. Then when we get back from Hollister at the end of July, I'll be heading out to Branson, Missouri. When I get back from Branson, I'll be. Uh, um, for a couple, three days, and then we'll be heading to Sturgis. Sonny Barger explained the popularity of the Hells Angels to two reasons. He told me, one, men want to be like us, and two, women want to be with us. Sonny Barger was 83.